Do I press continue? Yeah. <laughs> there we are then. Good stuff. Good I'm flaming hopeless on computers. <laughs> <laughs> now you're fine. You've got this. We've got this. It's fine. All right. <laughs> Uh, good evening. Today I'm very excited to be talking to Mark Tilbury. Hiya Mark, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, hi, I'm obviously Mark Tilbury and I've written I think 11 novels today and my next novel is coming out on Thursday. Um, there's not much else to tell you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> there will be. I'll just ask you a different way. <laughs> um, did you always want to be a writer? Um, funnily enough, I when I was um, about 18 um, and I was in the, in the Navy and I was working on submarines, <clears throat> And I used to write then because I was bored. All we had was watch, bed, watch, bed, you know. And I started writing a story and it was probably rubbish. But I used to put it away in my locker. And one day somebody got hold of it, you know, like, like lads do. And they were passing it around. But nobody laughed. They all said, actually, it's bloody good. And from that day onwards, I thought, is it? Am I? And, and it sort of played with me for a while. And then, yeah, so not really at school. I was always good at English at school, naturally. But no, I didn't always want to be a writer. But from that time, it sort of sparked something in me. And it would be the time around the time I was sort of reading a lot of Stephen King books. I moved on from, say, I don't know, Agatha Christie and people like that. But the Stephen King books and then me messing around with it myself and then actually finding uh, in an environment where sort of taking the piss is quite common, they didn't. And I thought, well, it must be quite good. So, yeah, from, from probably 18 onwards, yeah, I did. And I, I, I'd write poetry and things like that, yeah. And what made you take the plunge and finally go for it? Well, it was probably Amazon, really. It was uh, the fact that they they offered self-publishing because up until then, I had a little spell back in the 90s where I, I sold a short story to a national magazine and I had an agent interested in a book I'd written. And then basically life overtook all that and it got lost quite frankly you know we had children we moved and it, it just become complicated <clears throat> and um yeah it was about 2010 I was looking on Amazon and it said oh self-publishing publish your own book and I sort of said said to Cassie well can we do this and she said I don't know so like all good men I said find out <laughs> So off she went because she's very, very good at information. You know, she's very good at looking through things and reading through things. And so, yeah, I, I, I wrote a book and um, it was actually a funny book. It was called, um, what was it called? Oh, I don't know. It's Last Stand, I think it was called. And 
But I realised as I wrote it that, yeah, it was it had funny bits in it, but it was more serious, and that kind of morphed into the revelation room. So although it had still had funny bits in it, it was generally not how it started. And, um, yeah, self-published it, and it done okay. And, um, yeah, wrote The Eyes of the Accused. But it was really Amazon that opened that up. You know, I... I <sighs> I have my sort of downsides with Amazon, but yeah, and in ge in general, they opened an opportunity to people like me, like you, that wasn't there before. Because publishing, the big publishing houses were pretty much closed shops. You could send them manuscripts and it would sit on their slush pile and just vanish, you know, it wouldn't do anything. <clears throat> so yeah, it, it would be Amazon that made me take the plunge, yeah. Because I thought, well, they can't turn me down because I'm self-publishing it. <laughs> and I, uh, what made you decide, um, I mean, the Revelation Room and uh, the Eyes of the Accused are quite, they're kind of cult-based and they're quite dark. And then, I mean, most of your books are anyway. Yeah. Um, is that because of what you read or is that just what naturally came out when you wrote? Yeah, I had this... Um, I had this vague idea that they were going to be a series of books and basically they were going to be dark, but they were also going to have humorous bits in them to lighten the darkness. But it was going to, it was going to originally be like a book, a series of 10 where slowly, and this is the part that some people got, some people didn't, where Ben was shy and insecure and Maddie was much more, forthright practical and over time they, their relationship would develop over a series of books and they would marry at the end but um i had a third one planned and bloodhound were going to publish it and i just decided no i want to do something different but it stayed dark and i think you got i have to say stephen king would have been a, a definitely a, an influence behind that thinking because i i just loved some of his early books Absolutely love things like, you know, I didn't go anywhere like The Shining, but I did love them books. Yeah, they, they were the ones that sort of kept me awake, not scared, but kept me awake thinking about and thinking about, could I do that, you know? So, yeah, I I, I think, yeah, they, they were dark-based, influenced by Stephen King, but the, it wasn't sort of a grand plan at first of like 10 books where they slowly fall in love and then they get married and they go off to Ibiza and live happily ever after or whatever. But yeah, it never, it never came to that. I, I had to move, change direction really. And I'm glad I did, to be honest. Well, now you've written so many other books, would you ever write that third book? Um... No, I think it, it was very, very loosely. It was about um, a couple that were abducting um, teenage girls and forcing them to have babies, and they were selling the babies. So they were kind of putting them in a basement baby farm, if that's a way of looking at it. And um, they were selling them to sort of childless gay couples, and it's just somewhere I wouldn't go. No, I don't think so. And I... I don't wish to resurrect Ben, but I liked Ben personally. I, I know he was a bloody, <laughs> he was meant to be what he was. You know, I, I didn't sort of think, you know, a few people said they wanted to slap him and that's fair enough, but he was meant to be like that. You know, it was meant to be 
a shy, stammering, awkward, bullied person can actually defeat somebody like Eb at the end. It was meant to be that way. So, yeah, I, I don't think I'd want to resurrect Ben. Matt, Maddie, I think a couple of men had crushes on Maddie. <laughs> For some reason. <laughs> but no, no, I've no, no wish to ever tell. I like the idea of starting now with a blank canvas and just seeing what happens. I, I much prefer that. And then I think I'm right in saying your next book was Abattoir, which is always going to be my favourite. And that has yeah. the slight supernatural element. So where did that come from? Why did you decide to write slightly supernatural into your books? Um, well, it's hard to explain in one way because Abattoir Dreams, when I planned it, started so, so differently. It was, back, back without going into detail, it was a guy with amnesia in a log, log cabin who didn't know how he got there, surrounded by animals, and all the animals were meant to represent the past where he'd been in the children's home, like, you know, wolves, bears, vultures, blah, blah, blah. And it, it just turned into something completely different as I was writing it. And I thought, OK, well, he's in a hospital bed. It's going to have to go on for 400, 500 pages. How the bloody hell am I going to get him out of bed? And I thought, oh, I know. He could have a wheelchair pusher. It's not real. And then, you know, the kind of fake door and the tunnel and all that, kind of, it evolved naturally. And it's what I was saying earlier about go where your heart takes you with it. I mean, it wasn't actually a thought about process. And then I thought, I really do, do like that. And it is, it is my best book, I think, but not my favourite, but it's my best one. But the children's home stuff was all you know, as a result of reading real cases of this stuff going on. And it, it just sparked me on this sort of like paedophiles in power thing, you know, that abuse people and abuse their power. And I, I might have got it all out of my system with Song of the Psychopath now. I think maybe that's got <laughs> Yeah, that was... <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean... Again, Donna, it's writing from the heart. It's what you care about, you know, which, which is important as well. Yeah, I mean, I always feel kind of weird saying Avatar is my favourite because it is such a horrific subject, but mm. it's just beautifully written, really. That's all there is. Yeah, I think <laughs> I it was also... Sorry, I think it was also a burst of kind of creative energy where I've been kind of restricted by the Ben Whittle books. It was almost like, oh, I can go where I bloody well want with this. <laughs> just <laughs> off it went, yeah. Yeah, I was quite pleased with the Avatar Dreams, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's often um, said by others as well, isn't it? Your Annie's um, say that it's their favourite. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't argue with that. I mean, I I, I personally, my favourite's The Liar's Promise, but that's just because I really, really liked Peter King. He was so nutty, I just liked him. <laughs> I like the loonies. <laughs> If you were to be placed in any of your books as a character, which book would you choose? Um, well, Abattoir Dreams, because I, I, the only character I've written that really affected me was Liam in the Abattoir Dreams. So I'd like to be, I wouldn't be because I'm too much of a coward, but I'd like to think I had his balls. <laughs> no, a 15 year old boy had 
that kind of, you know, and I, you know, sort of draw on people I knew at school and I did know some gutsy kids at school and, um, you know, all my, I like going back to teenage boys because I can remember vividly what we were like, but yeah, I'd abattoir dreams. I think I, I'd love to be um, a character in that. Not Carver though. No. <laughs> well, if you were yeah, Liam, right. hopefully you could kill him, as he's one of the most despicable yeah. characters. <laughs> he didn't have a redeeming factor, really, did he? It was all bad, wasn't it, Carver? Yes. But yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, that that would be a book. Yeah, I. It'd be the only one I think would make quite a good movie, personally. I yeah. think some of the psychopath would, if they could actually make it. I think that'd make a good film. <laughs> It'd be pretty yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I yeah, I kind of um, probably had a bee in my bonnet about MPs at the time. <laughs> <laughs> the Bernard Bernard Clancy or whatever he was called was kind of kind of a character of what I think are politicians in general. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What's the most interesting thing you found while doing research for your books? Well, interesting in in one sense was the level of, and this isn't interesting, it was probably more um, eye-opening, was how far I dug into the abuse in children's homes and the abuse in politics and just how high that goes. And without going into it, it goes to the very, very top. And so many cases, um, yeah, it, it really, you know, I, I've gone as far as I want to go with it, but had I gone to where I could have gone with it, people would not have read it. So that, that was, um, Interesting. And so also the reincarnation thing with the Liars Promise. So I was interested. That was very interesting to me. And we got in touch with, um, I really can't remember her name, but um, she'd actually written about reincarnation and another lady had also experienced it, but she wouldn't let me publicly say, talk about it because she didn't want people, but she, it was kind of um, to do with the husband from a past life that she'd come across in another life. And believe it if you want, you know, it doesn't, you know, it's so all open to interpretation. But to me, that was interesting too. The reincarnation, very, very compelling stories of reincarnation. And, and um, as Rodney said in Fools and Horses, if I was to come back, I'd probably come back as me bloody self. <laughs> One of my favourite lines ever. It's just brilliant. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> That's me as well. Absolutely, 100%. Yeah, yeah me and Cassie, we'll sit there talking about fools and horses and all the lines that we can remember in it, and there's there's just too many. <laughs> yeah, but that one definitely stands out. I love It's one that I quote frequently. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we've... Um, Nick Linder's deadpan face, though, while he said it, knowing my bloody luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, um, yeah, reincarnation, very, very interesting. I might visit that again one day if I think it's on it. Uh, do you have loads of ideas ready and waiting to be written, or does something pop into your head and then you write it? I used to. Um, 
at one time I had about 20 of these things written down, you know, this, this, and this, and this. But in the end, I think they just overcrowded my head. So I got, like, one must die, but I've also got semi-part of um, the next thing I'm going to do, which is a book of four novellas, um, roughly 20,000-word stories each. Um, so I've had that quite quite planned and beyond that I have got one idea but I try not to go too far ahead of myself you know it's like otherwise you're just trying to run all the time to catch up with them so I, I try not to now and most ideas will turn out to be rubbish you might get one out of 20 that are any good you know and then 19 that have been anyway <clears throat> so no I don't I mean I wrote two novels as well as the, the 11 I've written that have been binned as well, you know, so it's quite, uh, yeah, I'm more careful about what I pick now, you know, because you can go off on a bit of a tangent and think, oh, yeah, that's good, that's good, that's good, but most most of them aren't. Some are, but most of them aren't. So, yeah, I don't go very far ahead of myself now. Anyway, I'm at an age where I can't go too far ahead. <laughs> You're fine. <laughs> what's your um your most overused word you're constantly having to edit out or phrase just one <laughs> just just i'm a fanatic for just <laughs> i'm just going here i'm just going there i've just been i've just done that I had I, I can actually tell you I had 380 in my last book that edited down to about 80. I mean obviously people talk like that with just and whatever, but I'm terrible for just. I'm, and then there's the common ones, but you know, but just yeah, that's my. I don't know why because I don't talk like that. I don't know why it comes out, but yeah, just. <laughs> I hate that word. <laughs> But yeah, no, that that's my one, and um, there is another one as well. Yeah, this is where my memory's catching up with me. I ain't got one now, but there is one. But I, I think um, Emmy, who edits my books, she's she's picked out a lot, so I am more conscious of them as I'm writing them, and I do get rid of some as I'm going now. But yeah, it does come out quite a lot of uh, I don't know what you call them, just. Just, just stupid words, you know. But yeah, it all starts off like that, and then ends up has to end up a lot better. Put it that way. Do you have um, a writing day? Do you have a plan of what you're going to do, or how many words? Um, no, I tend to just write in the afternoons because I'm most alive <laughs> if you like I, I'm used to I can't do it in the morning anyway so I just write in the afternoon and I I used to aim for 2,000 words a day but then I thought well yeah but some days I can write 3,000 and some days I cry. I'm less hung up about it now I, if I do 500 and I don't can't feel like anymore I walk away because you can't really force yourself to do it anyway so no, I don't. I don't. I I kind of a little bit spontaneous, you know, and I'll get up. Sometimes I get up at six o'clock or something and I'll do some, even though I don't write in the morning. It's just still the bloody night at six o'clock to me. And I will write something, but generally just the afternoons. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
Uh, do you have any fears or phobias and would you write about them? Um, I certainly haven't got any phobias. Um, mm, I don't think so. I mean, well, I'm afraid of big blokes. Phobia, <laughs> <laughs> um, that's just sensible. <laughs> yeah. But no, I haven't, I, I haven't, um, yeah, my, my daughter had one with chicken a little while ago, a phobia, and I, I found it quite odd, but it was very real, you know, she couldn't go near chicken, and I'm, I've been lucky, I'm not really bothered about anything, really, I mean, as, as long as it ain't big and threatening, <laughs> it's a fear. <laughs> But if I do, I I do get fascinated by the subject of OCD in the sense um, that my daughter suffers a little bit with it, and it is a very unusual thing. And but I would have to find something very interesting to write. It would have to be a serial killer or something that was, you know, perhaps if he was going to tie someone up, they'd have to be exactly symmetrical to the bedposts, you know, and things like that. And, you know, you might have to, I don't know, but yeah, that, that one would be if I was, but it's not one of mine. It's nothing, nothing I have. Although I am fastidious with things if they're not straight, you know, I am a bit like that, but I don't think that make much of a novel. Although, Annie Wilkes knew that Paul had been out of his bed because the penguin was usually facing due south. So, you know, that was an interesting point. That was a bit of OCD, which was the least of Annie's problems. <laughs> yeah. I love Annie Wilkes, so she's just my favourite character, I think. I, I, I just love everything about her. But yeah, <laughs> and her language. Yeah, I know. I think that's more scary, actually, is the weird way that she talks and the weird things that she just. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. She's um, very compelling. I, I must be. I haven't ever tried to do a misery type of book, but I'm very influenced by Annie Wilkes in the sense that her her strange logic struck me as funny as well as sinister it was like well yeah that's what a bad guy should be they should be well not all my bad guys but you know if they're off their rocker they sort of think in a different in a different line to everyone else you know and that that was where I first noticed that that's how to draw a really good bad character you know and um I've managed to do that a couple of times yeah and do you ever worry that your twisted Annie's are too much like Annie Wilkes? <laughs> no, I th I think um, they're probably the the best group of women I've ever known as a collective. So no, but I I do love the whole thing. I love what it is. It's a great thing, and um um. There's only just, there's, there's one that would like to stab someone a hundred times, but I can't remember who that is. But yeah, apart from that, no, I, I fear not the Annies. <laughs> well, even if we're threatening a road trip for your birthday with glitter. <laughs> uh, 
Well, I've been boarding out the attic today, so I've got a hiding place. <laughs> <laughs> so the I'm prepared. Cassie would let us in. You do know that, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I... Um, yeah, I, I got to say that is one of the best things of the the whole thing for me, right? In this the the you know the sort of camaraderie of people, you know, that coming together and how everyone seems to get on very well, and it's not it's nothing but nice. It's just great, you know. And yes, the Annies, the twisted Annies, it's very sinister, but it's also very lovely. So yeah, no, I don't fear the Annies. <laughs> That's good. I've noticed that you started feeling sorry for Tony Forder and his blissettes as well, but he's fine. He's totally, he's totally <laughs> yeah. safe. He doesn't have anything to worry about either. <laughs> I love these names that they come up with, the blissettes. I like that. It's good. That was me as well. I don't know where that came from. Ah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's no, that. it's good. It's got a very good ring yeah. to it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, people said at first it sounded like a... Uh, a bad 80s backing group but it seems to have stuck so <laughs> <laughs> yeah it does but it's, it's fine well it's staying now so tough really <laughs> yeah well once you can't undo some of that's done so that's it it's in this there for life <laughs> yep yeah we've got we've got him um do you hide any secret jokes or messages in your books mm. Not secret jokes or messages, but there are there are quite a lot of little bits of me in the books, in in the teenage boys. There's quite a lot of me. Um, some of the stuff that uh, I can't remember offhand any quotes from them, but some of the stuff the kids say was probably what I or my friends would have said. It's how we interacted. And I was always taken by um, the Stephen King's film, The Stand, uh, not The Stand, Stand By Me, and the way the boys interacted. And although it was very American, it was still very English because that is how we interacted. So there's a little bit of me in them stories, but I'm not saying what. <laughs> not the brave one. <laughs> but no, there's no... no there might be, Don, but they might be subconsciously, you know. You know, I might do it subconsciously, but I never consciously do it. No. And I've noticed, and other Annies have noticed, that you um, you do have little links between your books of locations and you linked yeah. in the new one, you linked back to the last one, which was awesome. I love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was something I see... Um, I don't want to keep Steve, Stephen Kinging, but I see him do that. And I was very impressed. I would have been about in the 20s then. And I thought, see him doing that continuity. And I thought, wow, that really blew my mind. So I do do it as if I can get away with it, if I if it's not forced. And yeah, and what I can't remember what it was now, but one of the one of the beta readers said about um oh. Yes, it was in Song of the... No, it wasn't. It was the one coming out. I better not say. <laughs> but they said I linked something back. And um, I linked something back to Song of the Psychopath. But the, the cop wouldn't... Or I better not call him a cop. I get told off for cops with my editor. Uh, <laughs> the policeman wouldn't have actually named him. 
um, instead. Uh, you'll probably know what I'm talking about, but no one else is doing. But anyway, yeah, I, I, I do do it where I can because I, I like that. It kind of makes the place seem like a real place as well, which it kind of is anyway, but it's not, yeah, you know, the happenings. I don't think anything's ever happened where I grew up like that. I think we had one or two murders, but they were sort of far, far away and just sort of bog standard things, you know. <clears throat> but no, I, I um, yeah, I do like the continuity and I, I yeah, I'll carry on with that if, if I can do it without making it look like I'm plugging the last book or something. <laughs> What's been your favourite moment so far being an author? Um, probably meeting, you know, obviously not meeting literally, but meeting all the people like other writers there's some fantastic people out there the bloggers obviously the annies um that's it really it's just opened up i was quite a cynical person about social media before i started um hasn't really changed because there are some dark sides of social media but I found a, a good side and operating within a good side of social media has sort of made me see the better side of humanity, really, amongst all the dark shit out there, you know. So, yeah, that's the best thing, really. You know, obviously, I could say finishing the book, but, you know, no, that is, it gives me more than anything, really. Well, people saying they like it, you know, which is great. That's you know that's that's the big big deal for that I suppose. And what's your biggest dream or your biggest goal? When I started, I had them. Now I just my biggest. Uh, well, when I started, I obviously wanted to write a bestseller. You know, I I kind of had this notion. <clears throat> But I'm quite happy just doing what I'm doing now. You know, there's enough people that it makes it worthwhile doing. So I haven't got one just to maybe <clears throat> write a better book next time. You know, that's kind of it, really. I don't, I've never had a grand plan, really, anyway, never. As, as my dad said, you're bloody impulsive. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'm impulsive. But, yeah, I... I I don't, maybe just to write the next one and hope it's better than the last one. Perhaps. What do you like to do when you're not writing? Um, playing guitar badly. I do that a lot. I, <clears throat> it's like a form of meditation for me, though. I can just sit there and just mess around with chord structures and I just, I don't even know where I am. I just play. And it isn't great, I must say, but it's just... That, that really and um, we go to a, there's a beach about six seven miles from us called Allenby but it's a very rugged sort of beach with sort of pebbles and you know rugged landscapes and that sort of thing which I find more appealing than sandy beaches golden beaches so go in there and there's a beautiful river and a beautiful lake at Keswick um, I think it's called Derwent Water and just na nature, I love nature. I love just sitting, sitting outside sometimes, just watching the birds, because we've got a lot of bird jackdaws. I feed the jackdaws and the rooks. 
and um, <coughs> excuse me, and then yeah, that, that's 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 pretty much it. And then you just watch some crap on Netflix. That's basically what we do. <laughs> Although, what was that we watched? Oh, bloody fantastic! The Fall. Have you seen The Fall? <coughs> do you have Netflix? Yeah. Look up the fall. It's uh, it's about I think there's about eighteen parts, or might be less, and it's about a serial killer. Um, but it it sort of like goes into his home life and then into his victims. Um, very very. I told both my daughters to watch it, and now they're telling me how bloody good it is. And I told them to watch it. <coughs> Um, yeah, what that that was outstanding. I'd recommend that to anybody. It was an Irish film. It was made by Film Ireland, I think, and it had some guy in it that used to be a male model. And you think, oh, well, he's only got the acting role because he's a male model. No, he was bloody brilliant. I mean, he was a good-looking boy, but he could he was fabulous as a serial killer. Absolutely outstanding. And if you like that kind of thing, which I suspect you might. I really, really recommend full. Anyway, I'm I'm going off topic. <laughs> yes. We watch Netflix at night. That'll do. <laughs> yeah, I I don't watch much because you know I read generally. And yeah. So rubbish of watching stuff. I watch Line of Duty, um, and I've been watching football, and that's pretty much. <laughs> yeah. But I do. I just things. like I like to um I like to do it because if I've been writing or you know working on the house I just like to watch something that's like don't take a lot of effort you know I can I can just sit there and maybe fall asleep if I need to but you know yeah but yeah I do we watch about an hour hour and a half at night and that's it really but yeah there's some good stuff from there <clears throat> uh, if you were to have four people four famous people to a dinner party who would you invite oh, wow You might know the answer to one of these would be Paul Weller, right? Absolute given. <laughs> yeah, an absolute given. I'm not sure whether he'd be that good a company, but I, I, I just, you know, he's gold to me, his music. Um, I'd have to say, I'm, I'm not sure how many people would be aware of Tom Sharp, but he's an author that I absolutely love. Have you read any of his? No, but I've heard <laughs> Yeah, if you want some a book to make you laugh, Tom Sharp, I think he passed away a couple of years ago now, but he amazing, amazingly funny. Um, so he brightened the mood because Paul Weller can be a bit dour. Um, Paul Heaton. And yeah, well, I'd have to like Jackie Abbott as well, wouldn't I, if I had them to? <laughs> I would like to say I would like to say another another writer, but I'm, you know, the common thing is like Stephen King or not sure really. I certainly, yeah, it's Catherine Cookson. I absolutely love her. I prefer it on film now. I've got all the DVDs of it, but I I absolutely drunk her books when I was young. They were just so good, so. 
And I think it was because it was set in a different time. It taught me more than history classes ever did. <laughs> so, yeah, Catherine Cookson and Tom Sharp from the writing world and probably Paul Weller and Paul Eaton from the music world, I guess. And get Paul Weller to sing. <laughs> yes, I could, yeah, I could set him up with the acoustic guitar. I could teach him a few chords, you know, we'd be off. <laughs> And uh, what song out of all his catalogue would you get him to sing? Um, Paul Weller, My Ever-Changing Moods. That's the Style Council era. Um, it's a song that got everything for me. It's just the best song ever written. And I do like a lot of good songs, but... It's funny, isn't it? Because it is all... Um, it's all a matter of taste, you know. Somebody else would say going underground or whatever, but I, I think my ever change. I mean, he's written about five hundred songs. It's bloody hard. <laughs> <laughs> or may, maybe I mean I do like you do something to me as well. I think that's a good song. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's beautiful. I've been lucky enough to um, go to Hyde Park and watch him right up front on the stage when he was singing that on the piano, and it kind of blew my mind to be honest. So maybe you do something to me, yeah. But I, yeah, I, I can't. Paul Weller, legend. Yeah. See, I mean, I'd love to see him sing "Town Called Malice," but then yeah. you know, the slower songs are just, yeah. You do something to me. I don't have to be that actually for me because that's just beautiful. Yeah, it's great. And um, there's a song on. He was on. Um, a live thing we watched on the Barbican. Um, it was a pay-per-view thing a couple of months. Was it a couple of months ago? It was a while ago. And he sung a new song called Still Glides the Water, and that is a fabulous song, you know. But And Boy George sung You're the Best Thing, and that was bloody amazing. Absolutely blew my mind. Anyway, we're going off topic, sorry. <laughs> no, I get Paul Weller to sing You Do Something To Me and I'd have Paul Eaton and Jackie Abbott sing anything. I just love them. <laughs> and Tom Sharp can make me laugh, yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do, yeah. But I, I think there's probably others. I can't think off the top of my head, really. Paul Weller would be my immediate answer anyway. Um, who was your first celebrity crush? Do you know, I, I, um, I don't, I honestly don't, I, I can remember <clears throat> years ago there was an actress called Natalie Wood and I think it was such a long time ago most people won't know her. and um, she was married to an actor they were both really Hollywood famous and Robert Wagner and she fell overboard a boat and drowned. And yeah, she, she was the first, probably at an age when I was at an age to look at women and think, God, she's beautiful. So her, Natalie Wood, but you know, I don't really do celebrities. I don't, not, not big on celebrities. But yeah, she was, she was beautiful as far as I remember. <laughs> If I was to ask the lovely Cassie what your most annoying habit is, what would she say? Crikey. Would she um, have a list? <laughs> <laughs> well, Cassie's so good, she'd probably say nothing. <laughs> 
but I I can be impatient sometimes if things aren't going right. So I can be and do have a tendency to probably, I don't know, like we planted some peas and they've all died. And my immediate thought would be, why have they all died? And then what have you done wrong? You know, it's like, yeah, I can be like that a little bit, but I try not to be annoying. I try, I like to think I've grown up a bit now. <laughs> try not to be. I mean, yes, I started smoking again after bloody 12 years, and, but she started again with me. So it don't matter. It's not annoying. Now. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I, I don't know. Honestly, you'd have to ask Cassie. I mean, she might tell you an old different story if I sat her down yeah. here now. <laughs> yeah, he thinks he don't, but it bloody does. <laughs> Next time, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I suppose we should really talk about your new book that's out on Thursday. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's called One Must Die. And it is the story of... Uh, how can I put this? It's basically... The, th- the theme of it is how do you choose which of your sons should die? And um, it's centred around a guy and his two sons go missing on the way to army cadets. Um, and then he, he, obviously, they start the police invest, you know, start missing person search and nothing turns up. But then he gets uh, a DVD through the post and he's basically throughout the story being told that he must do certain things. Otherwise, one of his sons will be hurt. And it's basically a series of, if you don't do this, Ben's going to lose a hand or whatever it might have been. And uh, and uh, and it, it's basically Sean, the father, being put through the ringer um, emotionally. But there, there is a, a history that ties it all together. Um, and it's really how... He, he's really got no options but to do it. Uh, the, the police are getting nowhere with it, and um, he's, he's basically having to carry out a series of forfeits, for want of a better word. You know, if, if you don't do what I tell you, something really terrible will happen to the boys. So, without going into the terrible things that happen, they are quite bad. <laughs> um, yeah, and it centers on how the hell is Sean going to get his sons back? And how, how do they get out? And why is the, the abductor doing it? Um, and it's all kind of linked up to a, to a past event. And it's got awesome reviews so far that I've noticed yeah. as well. Yeah, I've been very, very pleased with it. Yeah, very pleased. Um, yeah, I... Uh, it's always funny because when you start it, you're only trying to really please yourself. It's, it's not like you're not looking outwards at what other people will think. So it is nice when you get nice feedback as well. It's, it means it, it's it's as pleasing to others as it is to me. You know, I, I, I really enjoyed writing this book. It was quite quite effortless. I mean, I've thought about it started really with um, what's the worst thing that could happen to me? And I thought, well, somebody took my daughters. That's the worst thing that could happen to me. And then kind of grew from there what if they weren't asking for money they were asking for something else and that's kind of where it grew from so 
yeah, I did enjoy writing it, I must say. And I'm I'm pretty pleased with it as well. You should be. <laughs> um, so you said you're working on a series of novellas at the moment, and then do you know what you're gonna do after that? Um what the next book? Yeah. Yeah, it's um <clears throat> it's only got a working title, so it's not really worth saying that because it will it'll change a thousand times. But um it's about a three well, it's a boy's eight oh, man really, eighteenth birthday. And his father, his father, widowed father, lets him have two friends over to stay the night and he he agrees to go out while they have a party. <coughs> And the 13-year-old sister is there as well. And the only stipulation, he says, is don't get drunk, don't have the music on too loud, make sure, she has got a name, but I can't remember it, make sure she doesn't drink and make sure she goes to bed reasonably early. <clears throat> and the central character, which is going to be written in the first person, which will be me, <coughs> wakes up in the morning in the guy's bed, in the parent's bed, with the 13-year-old girl lying dead next to him with a pair of tights around her neck. And <clears throat> he basically gets charged with her murder and sent to prison, and then it's slowly revealing the truth of what happened. Mm -hmm. So that's it. And um, I think it's got, the working title's A Party to Murder or something like that, but I, you know, it will change a lot, I but I'm actually itching to write it, but I've got three more novellas to write after this <laughs> first one of the four. <clears throat> so I have to be patient. <laughs> well, I don't think I have any more questions for you, unless you think there's anything that I haven't asked you that you want to tell us about. I don't think so, Donna. I think you've asked me everything my brain's got to offer. <laughs> I told you I'd get it out of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I've thoroughly enjoyed talking to you. Though I really have. It's great. And, uh, yeah, too. I was very much looking forward to this. So yeah, so was I. And then the computer bloody thing—it keeps wanting to update, and then it freezes. And I said, "It's been doing it for three or four days." And then it was like today. I said to Cassie, "Of all days, it's frozen." It was like, find out what's wrong with it, Cassie. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it was, it was touch and go, but I've um, yeah managed to get through it. So that's brilliant. So yeah, I've enjoyed it. And I wish you a lot of luck as well with what you're doing, because you should have some luck. Yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> yeah, I know. It should, you should get some. Uh, so just before we go, would you like to remind everyone where they can find out more about you and where they can get your books? Well, I... Well, my books are on Amazon, obviously. Um, I haven't got my social media links to hand, so I don't know. I don't know if you could post them under here or something. Yeah. I, um, but obviously, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, yeah, no, just, um, yes, I think I am only on Amazon, yeah. Did branch out. <laughs> oh, and... Um, just a little plug. What's it called? Oh, dear. the last one to see it. That's out. That's on offer free for a couple of days, I think. 
yeah, as I've got that on my on my group anyway. So I'll yeah, do that, keep right. reminding people. Yeah, and um, yeah, that's it. Apart from that, no one knows where to find me because I'm scared of the Annies. Uh, except for me, I know exactly where to find you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, it's lovely to talk to you, Donna. It's really nice yes. to talk to you. <laughs>